on this episode of AV Week, Extron's NAV series gets government certified. Also, Crestron and Microsoft team up for a Teams scheduling panel. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 486, recorded Friday, December 11th, 2020. Silver Linings. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Crestron. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information this week. First and foremost, a young lady that got to hang out with well, with Megan Dutta, not with me, but with Megan Dutta during the AV Network Nation event. Charmaine Torella from Barracks. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Nice to be back. Hi, Tim. Hi, everybody. Uh, and you can still see uh, Charmaine and the incredible words of wisdom that she delivered uh, during the AV Network Nation event. Uh, if you go to avnetworknation.com, you can watch all of that for the next 30 days. And if you watch all the stuff, you get 4.75 RU. So that, that's at least worth, you know, what was it? Four or five hours. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, also with us, a uh, industry veteran who has been around the block once or twice. His name is Brad Grimes. Welcome, sir. Good to be back. Good to see you guys. Absolutely. And last but not least, a young man I've been trying to get on for at least three or four years, Dana Corey from Avacor. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for the young man. That's uh, <laughs> nice to there. Here, here's the thing. When, when you get to a certain age, darn near everybody's a young man because <laughs> you know i may not look it because i've got the hair but um it's it's getting there uh, i'll have my aarp card in about three or four years so let's just oh. put it that way all right let's kick this off here first uh story uh comes to us from our friends actually over at avnetwork.com extron nav series has met uh, the federal government cryptographic requirements uh, also known as nist the national institute of standards and technology guidelines for FIPS. Uh, unfortunately, the article does not define what FIPS is, and I can't remember off the top of my head, so we'll have to, Bradford will have to beat me up for that one. So, uh, from Casey Hall, uh, Extron, quote, unquote, we are excited to announce that our NAV Pro AV over IP series meets the FIPS 140-2 standard, ensuring that sensitive data is protected. Dana, I want to start with you on this because uh, you are our manufacturer on this call. Walk me through, and I don't, I'm not going to ask for all the steps and stuff like that, but, but how important is it from a manufacturer standpoint that you get government certified? We're talking about the U.S. government here, but obviously different governments have different regulations and different standards. But to sell to the government um, and, and to be able to, to sell into that channel, how important is it to get things like this certification? Yeah, and this is obviously really impressive. Another notch in Extron's belt for sure. Um, you know, I have to speak from our perspective and the display side, you know, we look at two things, especially the government. One is country of origin uh, as a more compliant uh, or friendly nation uh, to that. And we you know, pride ourselves in that part of it as well. So one part of it is just where you manufactured for, for reasons related to political and security, of course, security being the highest part. Um, second part would be um, the the, comp the compliance around the operating system, which you, you use, in this case, we use primarily the Windows-based program because of the security it offers, right? And of course, within Windows or Microsoft, they have certain GCC and also DOD um, parameters of security that they deploy. And of course, that's a big part of, 
of the government. So I uh, spent my time yesterday with one agency in particular, and uh, that development and that security is, is the utmost concern, right? Because sharing and, and data and where it's saved and not saved and, and what they can have uh, is, uh, is vital. And the problem that I faced yesterday was that, of course, in these situations, the government can be behind the times a little bit on the technology, especially on the software side, because it hasn't been approved yet. So the things commercially we see available that are like, we want that. And then they, we get there and find out, well, you don't have that yet because it's not been approved. So uh, always that, that fine um, battle there. But uh, it, really quickly on that, is that more along the lines of getting, let's say firmware, right? Uh, approved through the, through the process channel where you have to explain to your users, the folks that are contacting you, that, hey, your folks have it. We're just waiting for them to approve it. Is that the, the process there? Yeah, not so much firmware. This is would be uh, you know more in the let's just take an example Office 365 or Microsoft for example. There is a commercially readily available that is secure because it's Microsoft, right? Yeah. And then there's the government secured version, which takes a little more time to go through that process. So yes, many times like like yesterday, just a matter of fact, it was we want that. And it's like yeah, not yet, maybe soon, you know. But uh, but it's it's for the right reasons, right? It's it's about that security, and and that's the only way to do that is to administer that kind of program that does can lag sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't, right? Uh, I'll give an example. I we talk about Zoom and Zoom's some of the security stuff this year. Now look at Zoom being used on on different government calls. Uh, clearly, they've met the addressed it. So they there are ways when they need it that they they can move fast. So. Yeah. All right, Charmaine. So I've got a question. When you're talking with your clients, um, you know, and I'm not going to, you know ask you which government agencies you work with because one of us will get in trouble and probably both um when why how how important is this as you're going into a system and you and your team are helping to design it to make sure that some of these these boxes are checked uh for a government certification oh it's it's absolutely important i mean depending on the agency itself right certain agencies can communicate outside you know origin united states outside into another place or the origin of that office is outside of the US. So this is very, in, you know, depending on the agency, this is, you know, very critical, especially if they're dealing with international, you know, communications and data going across borders. So for them, this is very important, not a lot of products for uh, like the Extron, this uh, certification, this compliance, I should say. Um, can do that and they look for that and they vet their products out as best as they can to ensure there's compliance to security, especially considering what's been happening in the last four years with uh, collaboration in the government sector across the board, right? Since um, the issue in 2015 with a candidate, uh, said former candidate, where now they are tasked with really making sure this is, you know, something they have to constantly address and roll it out throughout, you know, as many agencies as possible. So yeah. that's been a focus since then for the last four or five years. And so for them, it, it, it's, it's probably gonna ramp up now in the next couple of years. And they have a lot of capital invested in making sure this happens. So that's another thing to note, a lot of federal agencies have capital that's from here to 2026 that they're going to utilize to ensure that their systems have certain compliances and securities there. So there is a, a revenue pool that integrators need to think about going forward as to 
you know, everyone's thinking about how to pivot after COVID. Government is that way. And, and products like this can help you do that and do that pivot if you start getting into it right now. Really quickly, um, Charmaine, I want to hit on something you said. You said through 2026, the, the, these government agencies have, have this budget. If you know and if you can say and if you can't, that's fine. What is it that they hope to accomplish? Is it through the 2026? And the reason I'm asking is you're, you're talking about a, a, you know, six, five, six year time, you know, depending on, on we're at the end of 2020 here. Um, is it simply getting folks remote? Is it is it securing? Is it is it shoring up security? What is it that they're hoping to accomplish with this this budget and with that timeline? They're hoping to shore up security, which is the main thing. Um, it appears sometimes, and we'll just go to the federal agencies within this country. It sometimes would appear in the past that these federal agencies had secure ways, uh, uh, ways of securing um, their collaboration technology. And that's not always the case depending on the agency. Um, okay. That's pretty as, as much as far as I can go with that. <laughs> that no, it works. That, that absolutely works. No, and, 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 and with, again, with the, the 2016 campaign, with the email situation, there's a lot more of those types of situations that do happen that the public is not always privy to in other agencies. As a result, um, funding was in a lot of areas set aside to shore that up. And also a lot of it is outdated. A lot of people are, don't realize that, yeah, a lot of it is outdated because government, federal agencies have a problem shifting systems to something new unless it has a certain level of compliance and security. So thus they stick with what they know has already been approved and certified that yes. And, and for a while, they're gonna keep running with it until they find that you know unicorn, that magical unicorn of a product that's going to have everything that that old product had. So you have a lot of agencies right now that are sitting on you know older product and they're becoming obsolete. Once they break down, it becomes harder to fix, to replace. So they really have to move forward now and they have to move forward to something that will have that security and compliance because the old stuff they can they're hanging on to it right they're stitching it by a thread and and jim you know taping it up and keeping it going because it has that compliance but it's again it's becoming obsolete so that's the main reason because you know that's what federal agencies for the most part will do as long as it works as long as we can get it fixed until there's something that gives me all these things, we're not gonna upgrade anything. And, and that's very different than enterprise. Enterprise, you know, you know, is very different in that aspect. They will upgrade more often than a federal agency will. Yeah, absolutely. That's why the IRS is still running on punch cards. So yeah, that was a yes. joke, kids. I hope it got not. All right, uh, Mr. Grimes. Uh, you've been covering this industry for, for a minute here. Um, walk me through the last 20 years of, you know, 20 years ago-ish is when a lot of folks will say the first RJ45 uh, connector was put on the back of an AV, piece of AV gear. Uh, and we've had our share of ups and downs and, and hits and misses and, you know, um, pieces of code being dropped into touch panels um, in the war room of the White House. I don't know who did that, but, you know, somebody did. Um, 
it was AMX, Brad, before you think too hard. Um, so, you know, walk me through this process and how this has evolved over the last 20 years from nothing ever being on the, on the, on the network. So we really weren't concerned ourselves with, with security to suddenly if it, if it's, you know, if it's a piece of AV gear going into the, going into a system, it inherently is going on the network. And so suddenly products like this, like the Extron piece, uh, does need to have you know certain levels of, of certification to even be considered for certain jobs. Is this still the FIPS question? Because I was going to stand in for Bradford and say, yeah. tell you what FIPS was. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. This is the FIPS question. And you mentioned twenty years. That's about as long, as old as FIPS is. I mean, FIPS is one of the is is one of the pillars of information security and in, on in, uh, government uh, networked equipment and. Pretty much, you you it's for the cryptographic modules and the in the equipment. You you pretty much need to do it need to have it to to sell into the government. Um, but as more AV equipment sits on a network on a government network and has uh, security implications, it needs to be it needs to meet these certifications because a lot of times when you're a procurement officer for a federal agency. Um, you know, compliance is key, and it's and it's easier. It's easy to tick off. It's it's easy for me to turn around and say, "Is it FIPS? Is it FIPS compliant?" And if it's not, then I can close the door right there. And fortunately, companies like Extron, um, Crestron, others have been, um, you know, taking the initiative to get their equipment um, FIPS uh, certified, um, so that you know they they can say yes in those situations. But yes, in in the in the government. Being compliant, meeting the NIST standards, the information pro, uh, uh, pro, uh, the information processing standards of NIST um, is critical to, to selling into the into the government. And so, if if you're on that list, um, then you can sell your products into a lot of these agencies. FIPS 142, which which Exron got, uh, we were saying before we went on the air, is about to become FIPS 143. I don't know what what that means if everybody has to recertify the, all their equipment in the coming. In the coming years, but um, but yeah, it's 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 an important step for anybody who wants to sell in the government, and I applaud uh, Exxon for doing it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and that actually will be something to watch as, as FIPS kind of flips um, to the next the next generation. Uh, from commercial integrator Crestron and Microsoft have released a Teams room scheduling panels, uh, which is interesting because these uh, Teams room scheduling panels is is based on uh, and and built on the new seventy series. Uh, product line of, of Crestron that they just released uh, about, I guess, about a month or so ago. Uh, Charmaine, let, let's walk through this really quickly as, as you're, you know, talking to integrate or talking to clients and, and getting folks uh, ready to get back to work. You know, how important are some of these integrated systems where AV folks are, are integrating parts and pieces with, whether it's Teams or it's, you know, Google Meets or these other software uh, applications that people are already using while they're working from home and, and as they go back to work? Oh, very important. Um, I know in the beginning it was integrating with Zoom, right? Uh, Zoom was easy, it was there, it was quick. Uh, the security issues, going back to security, uh, were issues um, and still are to some respect. In addition, Zoom is not exactly so much of an enterprise client as Microsoft Teams is, right? Um, you can take Teams, it'll tie into your exchange and everything, 365, whatever, it in up, uh, SharePoint, and it interoperates very easily within your enterprise environment. With Zoom, it's not that always that simple, uh, depending on your environment. So this uh, from Crestron is very, I'm glad to see that they did it. It's very critical because 
a lot of enterprises in the beginning out of necessity ran and said, okay, we'll do Zoom. But now they're thinking long-term and how to structure that better. And they're like, well, we have teams, we're turning on teams, we're going to teams and people can access teams virtually and remotely as well and not be in the office. And it ties into exchange and then we can get a lot of data and information. Let's go and use Teams instead. You can still have your Zoom, but Teams is gonna be the main uh, client that we're gonna use to navigate this hybrid situation, right? For in, in person, you know, physical boardroom and virtual conferencing. So it's very important for a lot of integrators to understand that. I know everyone wants to think about Zoom rooms and, and that's great, but a lot of enterprise clients already have teams. They're not gonna go and put an additional investment in some other client that's gonna be disparate from their, you know, their standards that they have already. They're gonna go with what they have and that's what they're gonna work with and Teams is right there. So just turn it on, go with it. And it, it works with everything that we have so far and interoperates with Skype and everything. It's easier, it's better, it's more reliable. They know it, their teams are more familiar with the Microsoft suite. That's what they're doing. So this is really, really, this is a good step because now more and more what's happening is clients are now going, okay, we're gonna go to Teams now. And they, they started out with Zoom uh, at the top of Q2 of this year. And they're like, okay, now we're gonna, can you make this team rooms now? And can we do, oh, we have a Polycom. Can we connect the Polycom meetings with the team meetings? So that is a thing. Um, this is, I'm happy that this happened. So um, it gives me something, some more conversations to have. With Good. Good, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting as, as, as folks kind of get back to work. Brad, I want to bring you uh, in this on the, but one of the things that I, I find interesting is, is the number of what I'm going to call back to work in during COVID features. One is the fact that there's occupancy sensors uh, built into this thing. And those sensors will sense how many employees are in a room and then be able to tell, you know, somebody coming in, hey, there's too many people here, uh, obviously based on, on what, you know, uh, you set up or, you know, your clients set up. In addition to that, you can find nearby rooms, um, have stuff like RFIDs uh, for obviously for, for key cards and, and stuff like that. What other features are you seeing, whether it's in this product or in, in other folks that are releasing things now um, that could be considered COVID or pandemic or, you know, healthy or, or you know, um, safety measures, whether that's, you know, um, a, a, a poly system that can, again, do, do facial, uh, not facial recognition, but um, uh, human counting for, for a room, or it's like this system where it's, you know, able to, to kind of point you to a new room? Um, I mean, clearly, you know, contactless things will, will be important to, as we move forward. I, you know, I'll, I, I suspect that, and I don't know if the feature was in there yet, that you'll be able to walk up to a Crestron panel and, and talk to it and ask it something rather than have to touch it. Uh, or things like that, um, more detecting you, more detecting people in front. And I think there was proximity detection when you walk up to it, um, that that it you know it can start to function and it can start to execute everything. I mean, to me, the most important thing is that it is built on Teams. I mean, it's I I sort of it, it's it's fun to be in this situation where the first time Microsoft showed up in, a, in, a, in a, at an Infocom corners of the industry sort of rolled their eyes and chuckled and whatnot. And then companies like Dana's were really early on, you know, integrating Teams functionality into their products. 
uh, last time we all got together, which would have probably been Amsterdam, I, you know, a, a guy I respect a lot stood in front of an audience and said, you know, if in the AV industry, if you're not working with teams, you're, you're, you're not working. I mean, you're, it's just, um, you know, so we've, we're at this stage now where this, this platform, this dominant collaborative platform, which is tied into so much of how other people have people work and have been working for decades, um, is a big part of what we do. So I suspect Crestron's far from the last one to, to, to hook their wagon onto the, to, to the team star. And, and, uh, and I think that's great for all of us. Right. Dana, I actually wanted to end with you because of, of your guys' integration with it. Talk, talk for a second, as much as you can mm-hmm. about, you know, working with teams and, and integrating that into a product that, that you guys developed, but you know, that, that obviously uh, leverages a, a lot of the feature sets of teams. Yeah. I think one thing to, it's an opinion, but one thing to possibly recognize here is um, uh, first part is what we accomplished from a UC perspective this year, uh, unfortunately during a COVID was our users went from first graders to high schoolers in video. The word Zoom is now known worldwide as his team. So what took us would have taken us years to accomplish, we took care of it in months. So that's a little bit of the silver lining in a very difficult time. So as they return to work, and I think what we're seeing here is we're gonna be in a year of race to innovate. If I'm all, if, if Google and Teams and Cisco and, and um, Zoom are all fighting for users and we're seeing this adoption, it's gonna be a wonderful year for us and our integrators, right? And our end users, because the, the race to fight and things like this, what Teams is doing, uh, another you know, kind of point to Teams, they're hosting CES, the largest trade show in the world, 250,000 um, attendees on Teams for that, for that event, right? Amazing, right? So just the beginning of the innovation. And so back to the point we hear with Crestron is uh, having the in-room devices that our teams enabled and, and working together are, are critical and, and being able to address the return to work uh, phases. The beauty here is our people are gonna come back smarter than they, when they left, honestly, uh, with more expectations to do more in rooms. Now we may say it's what they should have been doing years ago because we've been in the industry, but for them, there'll be leaps. Like for example, annotating, yeah. right? content sharing. I mean, things that we've been saying for years are now going to be uh, pushing forward. And the beauty of it is, especially for us as a team's partner, is we don't have to be the loudest voice in the room saying it. They're going to do it for us, right? And watch Zoom and teams fight each other, right? And don't and watch out for Google. I mean, I'm sure they're going to do something too. So uh, I think that's going to be a, a big thing for us. So you said a mouthful, uh, Dana. That is also true. I see the fight a couple of years ago. Someone said, is it going to be a fight between Polycom and Cisco for video? And I said, no. I said, I th- I said it was going to be Google and Amazon at that at mm-hmm. point. That was in 2013. I said, I think that's where the fight is going to be. And I'm not exactly accurate, but Google is in there somewhere. Yeah. And, um, yeah Microsoft Teams and yeah. And Zoom. Now Zoom came out of nowhere and yeah that's what it's going to be yep and on the crestron device i really am i really like what crestron is doing is to simplify their approach um and i i mean simplify by execution deploying the systems is getting has to change quite a bit on their side of it and 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 doing these uh approaches where they are because when they bring intelligence to the room they enable our displays to do more for example is the room clean right that's a that's a huge question these days that does play towards us because we are a touch screen, right? Therefore, if we are part of the normal cleaning and people know it is clean, then they know that they feel comfortable around that. So um, in any case, it's, we're definitely excited about it and our partnership with them as well. 
let me ask an overarching question as, as we wrap up here. Um, any of you, the three, can, can take this. Uh, I, I take Dana's point about there being a, a fight between you know, Teams and, and, and uh, Zoom and Google. Uh, there was a report out about a year ago, um, uh, an AUC industry analyst. There's somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 soft codecs on, on the market. If that's the case, if, if there are 250 options, why is, the, why, is, why is the fight only between those three? I think Charmaine said it, especially on the team side of it, it's integrated in Office 365. I mean, that's the problem with anybody else outside of Office 365 is that users have to adopt something different. And so, and Zoom has done a really good job to penetrate into that space, not in the O365 land, to Charmaine's point, but in the land of UC or collaboration. And, and we just know the horsepower of Cisco and Google, I mean, they're not gonna lay down inside. The others have to then fight amongst that. And I think we just kind of follow the biggest volume and the numbers uh, and users. And uh, I mean, you're right though, Tim, there are, there's a top, probably a top 10 list you could probably call out. Probably, um, yeah. Yep, that are, are all there. And um, yeah, so it, it's, that's, that's why they come to mind for us in that regard, so. Yeah, I, I used to partner with Microsoft a lot when I was in the IT UC space. 10 years ago, and they always said to us, we own the desktop. <laughs> that was Microsoft thing. We own the desktop, we own the desktop. And then the desktop started going away and people started using smartphones and then we're like, now what? And then 365 came out and I said, oh no, we got that. We're gonna do some things. We're gonna create Skype and put it in the cloud and interoperate and, and they own that. So that infrastructure for enterprises, they still own that even whether it's on the desk or in the smart device in the cloud, it can translate over both. Uh, so, and the enterprises, most of them have that. So Microsoft out of the 250 soft clients, Microsoft has had that client for a very long time, like a very long time in whether it was in live meeting, OTS. I mean, it's gone through so many changes, Skype for business, now Teams, um, they put it into different uh, solution packages and sets, and but they're still there. They're still in the background. And Google, and, and that's why I said Amazon at one point, Amazon is Amazon Web Services. The guys that are still in the background operating things, um, these products, Zoom. Zoom came from the guys who made WebEx, right? They, they gave WebEx, Cisco got WebEx, he went off, he created Zoom. So a lot of Zoom is mirroring, you know, has those protocols that uh, WebEx had, and but he's doing it, he enhanced a couple of things to make it easier for people to access other, you know, Cisco WebEx wasn't always. So it's always, these products have kind of always in, been in the background, familiar to most people in the enterprise. So I think the reason why the fight is with these guys is because of the familiarity and the fact they've always been there in the background all, at all times. So it's, it's familiarity, it's ease and it interoperates you know, better. They know on the client, the technology managers, they know how to work with these types of products. They're there. So we'll go with what we know. Wasn't there a saying for a while that it says you, no one ever gets fired for buying Microsoft? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> there was a saying of that too. Close enough, Dana, I mean, you know. Microsoft, IBM, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, they they own so much of the workflow. So, you know, uh, again, back when, when we were getting together and, um, you know, Julian Phillips of Whitlock, now AVISPL, used to talk a lot about, you know, collaboration beyond just this, but it's about, you know, 
digital, digital digitizing workflows. And Microsoft already owns so much of the workflow from the from the client product productivity software you build up to the cloud that they operate in, and so uh, so Teams got a leg up on that over you know two hundred and forty five of the others. Absolutely. All right. Um, as I leave you with this one thing, I, I do want to point out the one the one company we didn't mention as a player in all that, and that's Cisco. Um, and for a company who spent a, a fair amount of money 10 years ago to buy Tanberg, I find it interesting that, you know, they're, they're, they're there. They're just not, you know, one of the, one of the even WebEx isn't, isn't it? So. Can I, can I add to that? Yeah. Thought? Well, the reason why is when you buy something that you're not used to doing and you restructure yourself to the people who actually knew how to do it and, and either say, okay, we don't need you anymore, or we're going to put you somewhere else. That thing that you bought is there amongst people who are not used to working with it, right? Hmm. So that was this, the story with Cisco acquiring Tanberg. They bought Tanberg out. Cisco was never really used to doing video. That wasn't their thing. Yeah. Um, wasn't their thing, but they wanted to make it their thing and buy in Tanberg, but that's great. But if you do that, you have to keep the people who built it to help you progress it. And if you don't do that, then you kind of, it's there, it works. People still have Cody and Bridges to this day, you know, stuff like that, but it's not progressing and it's not keeping up with the competition, new things, it's not elevating. No one is moving it along because there's no one there that knows how to do that because that's not their forte. So I think that's, that would be my, you know, I saw that and I was like, eh, we're going to let this Tanger, Tamber group go. Like, yeah, yeah don't want to do that, but they did it anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And I think that's why that happened. Um, yeah. And um, it hurts. It, 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 it hurt them a little bit, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely, we will. All right. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, Mr. Grimes, uh, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, you know, the best way to find me these days is on the LinkedIn's. Uh, I, I, I use that a lot for communicating with people and for going back and forth. Uh, uh, so you look for me there. It's a uh, LinkedIn, you know, Brad Grimes, it's easy to find. All right. Very good. Charmaine, thank you so much as always. Thank you. And, um, Charmaine Torella, LinkedIn, the Twitterverse, um, <laughs> and, uh, Varex. Also, you can find me at ctorella at varex.com. All right. You can also, uh, if you are a member of the Diversity Council from Avixa, you can also hang out with her. Uh, I think next week is when we have yes. a thingy. Yeah. Yes, we, that so. is true. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be this week. So get 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 on the ball there, kids. Uh, Dana, nice to see you uh, in on on my show. Uh, finally, I've interviewed you several times on on different things, but finally on my show. So thanks so much. And how do people get a hold of you or Avacor? Yeah, same thing as the other people here on LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm a big user on LinkedIn. Uh, don't do any other social channels other than that one. Um, but uh, but email, good old email, dana.corey at avacor.com. Uh, welcome anytime to chat and, and uh, reach out. Thanks again, good Tim. Old, good old email. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, uh, don't follow me on the Twitters uh, because at this point in the season, I am screaming at the Twitters about the Bears. That's all I got. That's it because they stink. All right, um, but they're my bears, so you know, whatever. 
Um, but go by the website, if you would, please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others while you're there. Please check out our sponsors. These are the folks that help you and help me bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. Extron is one of those. Crestron is one of those. We thank them. Um, our, our annual awards uh, process has begun. If you go to avianation.tv forward slash avianation best of 2020 awards and put dashes in between all of those or hyphens, uh, you can get your hands on the nominations. This is how, how this works, uh, just to, in case you haven't listened the last three or four years that we've done this. The month of December, you go by the website and you nominate anybody you want for any of those various processes and, and, and categories. Uh, my buddy Chris Netto uh, said I should put in a one about the best virtual event for 2020, and that seemed about the most 2020 thing I could do, so we did. So that is the only, uh, the new category we've got, but everything else is there. You know, the best, uh, the best uh, touch panel, the, not touch panel, but the best digital signage, education, uh, technical support, as well as the Aviation uh, AV Professional of the Year. So check that out. You can nominate whomever you want. You've got three nomination spots. Uh, and then uh, somewhere on the 1st of January, we will put all of those folks together in a big pot. The top eight will go into a bracket type system and you'll get to vote uh, on round one the first week, round two the second week, and the last two weeks will be the final round. So check all of that out and more at avianation.tv. It's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 